very wee gift. And uh, if I could ask those who have the little bowls of seeds, please, to hand them out. And uh, so you should be getting, yes, a very, very small gift. And uh, those should be handed out at each side and in the center. So please take one each. And uh, either from the one you get or from uh, this one, any ideas what this little seed might grow into? Any gardeners? Uh, close, a tree, it's a bit like a tree. It's a plant. Any specific plant? Pardon? A sunflower. So these little seeds will grow in the sunflowers. And I encourage you, these aren't the roasted ones you eat. These are purely natural ones. So if you put it in a bit of soil and pour some water over it, I'm led to believe uh, that this will grow into a, a beautiful flower. What does a sunflower look like? Hmm? It looks like the sun. Good answer. Anyone want to describe what sunflower looks like? Tall? Tall, yeah. Large, yellow, good, okay. So uh, give them information if we ask some young children to draw a flower, it'd be interesting to see what they come up with in terms of as large, as big, as yellow, uh, to see what sort of picture they come up with. And it's pretty amazing really, isn't it? We look at this little tiny seed that you're gonna get and you may want to plant it and just a bit of horticultural news between uh, April and June every year, you can plant them indoors or outdoors in soil, water them, and they should turn into something which was, as we've said, is big and yellow. So it's pretty amazing, isn't it, that if we plant something so small and so delicate and so plain and so dry, that it actually turns into something beautiful. And, uh, I'm trying to remember my O-level as it was biology in terms of what does a seed need to turn into a plant? Any answers, boys and girls? What, I've already mentioned two already. Um, what does a seed need to grow into a plant? Hands up, any hands up or whatever? There's Elliot at the back. Yes, Elliot? Water, oxygen, and heat. Excellent. Um, what else does it need? That's ha there's three, three, three out of six. It needs light. It needs nutrients, food. One last one, bit of a trickier one. Also needs carbon dioxide. So those are the things that a little seed needs to grow into a big plant. And the amazing thing is what happens is we plant it down and the seed germinates. And what that means is it dies. It effectively dies. It then bursts open. And inside this little seed is the design for a sunflower. And also there is some of the things that are necessary to make the sunflower are in this little seed. But as we've already heard, there are six other things that this little seed needs from outside of it in order to turn into a sunflower. So it takes a level of faith to believe that this little seed will turn into a sunflower. Imagine if you'd never seen a sunflower. You'd only ever seen a seed. And someone said to you, that's gonna become 
an eight to ten foot plant with a massive golden head on it, and it's going to have hundreds and hundreds of seeds in it. And you'd never seen the flower, you'd never seen the plant. You'd probably go, aye, yeah, that's right. That, that, that little thing's going to grow into a, a ten foot tall plant, yeah. With a, with a massive head. One, one that looks a bit like this picture is going to come up now. Someone said to you, that little seed is going to turn into that sunflower. So imagine the shock and surprise that first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, as we heard, they go to the tomb. It is empty. And in that day and over the days ahead, they encounter what we might say is the equivalent of a sunflower. They encounter something which is physical, but just doesn't seem of this world. They encounter the resurrection body of Jesus Christ. And so as good eyewitnesses, they try their best. The, the gospel writers, there, there are 500 witnesses who see the resurrection body of Christ, people who eat with him and touch him and uh, get fishing advice from them and all sorts of things. And they do their best as eyewitnesses to just say what they see. And so they say, well, at first I didn't recognize him, but then he spoke and he knew my name and he spoke my name and in that moment I recognized him. Or two of them who said, he, he lifted the bread, he gave thanks to God, he broke it, he gave it to us, and in that moment we knew it was Jesus. Or he shouted advice to us after a fruitless night of fishing, and we threw the nets over. They became back completely filled at breaking point, and at that point, Peter said, that's the Lord. Or he comes into a locked room. There's no normal physical way that he could have come into the room. There's, there's no open windows or open doors. He comes and stands among us, and he says to one of us, Thomas, touch my side, touch my hands. I'm not a ghost, I'm a real physical being. So imagine the challenge of the gospel writers trying to tell us who have only ever seen seeds what a sunflower looks like. You see, I don't know about you, but I've only ever seen a human body that grows old, that grows weaker, that dies and is buried. Anybody else seen a different body than that? I've, I've never seen it. But there are over 500 disciples in the New Testament who saw a sunflower when the rest of us have only ever seen seeds. And John in his gospel says, blessed are those who have never actually seen the sunflower with their own eyes. But they take it on faith, having only ever seen the little seed. But the seed has become a sunflower. And that's what those early disciples saw on that first Easter morning. They saw the equivalent. Don't go home today believing that I'm saying that Jesus turned into a sunflower. I just want to make that clear. But here's the thing, the body of Christ, the tomb was empty. So just like a seed, some of the material from the seed was necessary to make the sunflower. It had in it the design of the new body. 
And so that's why the tomb was empty. Because the physical material that lay dead in the tomb, God used to turn into the transformed body of Jesus Christ. And how did he do it? He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a creed that uh, we often say, and we said it at the last service. And uh, I'm just going to read part of this. This is the Nicene Creed that was written uh, around about the turn of the sort of fourth century. And it goes a bit like this. This is part of it. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, who for our sake was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Now, whose resurrection are we talking about in that last section, the section about the Holy Spirit? We look for the resurrection of the dead. Are we talking about Jesus? No. When I declare that, I'm talking about my body, and you're talking about yours. You see, what we're declaring today on Easter morning and Christ is risen is this. The classic Jewish belief that we touched on last week that the Pharisees held, the Sadducees didn't. That's why they were sad, you see. And so basically, I know it's a bad one, it's an old one. But the majority belief in classic Jewish faith was that all God's people would be raised to life and they would have new resurrection bodies. That was what was in the midst of the Jewish faith for centuries. That's why Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and one day he will stand on the earth, and I will see him with my own eyes. So even there, in the midst of the Old Testament, what does Job declare in faith? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And my Redeemer, I don't know what he looks like, but he's going to stand, not in heaven, but on earth. And I'm going to see him. How am I going to see him? Because I have, I'm going to have physical eyes to see him with. Classic Jewish belief was this. All God's people are going to be resurrected, and they're going to have new, physical, touchable bodies. That's classic Jewish belief. All the pagans of all the people around about, all the peoples said there's no such thing as resurrection. The Greeks, the Romans, no such thing as resurrection. It cannot be done. It is utterly impossible. The Jews said there's going to be a resurrection, and we're going to be in it. But what no one anticipated apart from Jesus Christ and perhaps a few of the prophets like Isaiah was this. There was going to be a man who was going to be resurrected in the middle of history. And that resurrection is the anticipation and the guarantee that every single follower of Jesus Christ is going to have a new resurrection body. In our horticultural picture, it's going to look like a field of sunflowers. And Paul says, he uses this analogy of a seed in, in 1 Corinthians 15, says this, 
And so will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Listen, says Paul, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. He's, that's the word for death in the New Testament. We will not all sleep. We, in other words, we will not all be dead when Jesus comes back. Some of us will still be alive, Paul is saying, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Whether you're dead or whether you're alive, when Jesus Christ comes back, the reality is that those who are in Christ will be raised to new, new life and we will have resurrection bodies just the same as Jesus. Jesus who was able to enter into locked rooms. He was able to travel from a mess to Jerusalem in the twinkle of an eye. He was able to eat fish. He was able to barbecue on the beach. He was able to say to Thomas, touch my hand, touch my side. Mary was able to cling to him. So Jesus says, Mary, don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to my father. She was clinging to his feet. How can that be? It's because on the cross of Jesus Christ, the curse of creation was overturned. Do you remember in our series last term about the fact in Genesis chapter 1, human beings fell from grace and they pulled all creation down with them. And so all creation was under a curse. And how has the curse been broken? By the man who became a curse for us and hung on a tree. Cursed is anybody who hangs on a cross. And so Jesus became cursed for us so that we would be blessed and set free. And so when he returns, what he has already started will be brought to completion. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. They'll be brought together into one. And it was meant to be and was the very start of creation. Heaven and earth will be completely intertwined. That's why the resurrection body of Jesus Christ can move in and out of earth and heaven as if he's walking through a curtain. And we will be able to do the same because we will be like him, the Bible says. And how do we know this is true? For two reasons. One, because our brothers and sisters in Christ have written it down for us and they have simply said what they have seen. It was mind-boggling for them. Jews who were brought up believing there'll be a resurrection at the end of history. All the good guys are going to be raised. All the Jewish people are going to be raised. And then shock. In the midst of that Sunday morning, this group of Jewish people believe and discover it's already happened for one man. The Christian gospel is about God's good future in person arriving in the present. Heaven is the place where God has all good things stored up for us. We often think of it as a place. It's as much a time as it is a place. And he has brought the goodness of heaven to earth in Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. 
What's creation waiting for? It's waiting to see a multitude of children of God appear on earth. Creation is waiting for the day when it sees the equivalent of a field of sunflowers. And who will the sunflowers be? It'll be the children of God raised to life, resurrected bodies. You see, as Christians, we don't just believe in life after death. We believe in life after life after death. Because those who have gone before us, those that the Bible says who are asleep in Christ, they're waiting for something. Those whom we've known who have died in Christ, with faith in Christ, they're waiting for something, and they're waiting for the same thing we're waiting for. They're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. They're waiting for the resurrection. They're waiting to become physical resurrection bodies again in the midst of a new creation and to fulfill the call on human beings to rule the earth to the glory of God under the authority of Jesus Christ. And Jesus will turn to his Father and he will hand everything over and all will be filled with the glory of God as the sea covers, as the waters cover the sea, as the Bible says. So we know because of Scripture, and the second thing we know that this is true is because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Who raised Jesus from the dead? It was the Holy Spirit. Who made nothing into something at the start of creation? It was the Holy Spirit. Who brings us into life of Christ? It is the Holy Spirit. Who will raise our bodies to be resurrection bodies that never grow old and never die? It is the Holy Spirit. That's why the creed says, we look for the resurrection of the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. So I just want to encourage you this morning, as we look to Jesus Christ, to know the fact that from what's written in Scripture, the truth that we've seen, the eyewitness accounts, and also for the fact that when we invite Christ into our lives to forgive us, to make us new, to put us back on our feet, and to prepare us for heaven, and to prepare us for resurrection. That it's the presence, it's the knowledge of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is the encouraging point. It's the deposit from God that all things come from Him and that that power of the Spirit will raise us into new resurrection bodies. We will turn from what is the equivalent of little dry plain seeds into glorious resurrection sunflowers. Are you aware of the Holy Spirit living within you? Do you believe the words of Scripture that we read this morning? Only seeds that have the Holy Spirit within them will germinate. Only those who believe in Jesus Christ will become sunflowers. And so I want to ask you, I want to, I want to put you today, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? Do you believe that he rose for you? Do you believe that he will never grow old? He will never taste death. And he has in store for us exactly the same thing.
Have you invited him into your life and said, Lord, in the midst of the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of my own self and decision making, I want to say, Lord, I want your solution. I want your forgiveness. I want your kingship in my life. And as you do, you'll begin to sense the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Sometimes it's a very dramatic thing. I'm sure if we asked lots of people, they'd say, when I gave my life to Christ, it was like, boom, the Holy Spirit came. I know for me, it was a much more gradual thing. But it means that we come to a place that as we act justly, as we love mercy, as we walk humbly with our God, become aware of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, teaching us, training us, filling us, enthusing us, giving us joy, spiritual gifts, fruit of the Spirit, inspiration, and you can just see the work of the Holy Spirit within you. I want to say today, is that your story? Because it needs to be your story to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. Because he's done the equivalent of placing the seed in our hands, a seed that is capable of becoming a sunflower. And he's done it through the cross of Jesus Christ. He's done it by the power of his Holy Spirit. So this morning I would encourage you, as in the midst of the singing, as in the midst of our service today, if that is your belief, if that is your hope, then as communion today, come forward and take a flower and place it in the cross and recognize the fact that your life without Christ will come to nothing. But with Christ, you have hope for today and you have hope for tomorrow and you have everlasting hope. But know this, your job And my job in that moment will immediately become people who declare the kingdom of God with our lips and with our lives. And so we seek justice when we see injustice. When we see poverty, we address it. When we are wronged, we forgive. When we encounter hate, we love. We encounter people who take, we give. And all the time we declare that Jesus Christ is alive today. Shall we stand?